Oh, my God, I was watching – well, because I love Lord of the Rings. I was watching that today because I bought, like, these secondhand DVD copies because you can't stream it anywhere. I've heard – Josh was telling us this. Yeah, I know. Um so I bought these DVD copies and I was watching it and sending my brother just lots and lots of texts about it. And then I realised that it's 19 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw it at the cinemas and it's like it hasn't aged a day. Hasn't it? It's like Benjamin Button. You know, I saw them all at the cinemas and I don't think I've seen any of them since. What? Yeah. What do you mean? That's just not something I'm into. Oh, fuck. How are we friends? I know. Fuck. <laughs> We're just nerds in very different ways. I think I'm more of a nerd than you. Do you? you are. I think I'm I more do. of a geek. What's You're the more difference? of a nerd. Well, I, it's like I'm not, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I'm not smart about things. <laughs> I'm just passionate about things that I'm not smart about. Like, <laughs> that is actually not true. I just think I. It, I, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly. I can't put my finger on what the difference is, but I think you're more of a nerd and I'm more of a geek. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't define it. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very well. It's That's a, a lie. Oh. <laughs> you're good. You're on holidays. I'm on holidays. It's the summer holidays. It is the summer holidays. That's exciting. And this is my favourite musical. Yay. Hello, everyone, and welcome. That's that, Ruth. That's Josephine. We are your hosts. We are. And this is episode 35. That's exciting. Yeah, it's I a like, nice round yeah, number. Yeah, it's a round number. Yeah. Um, in this podcast, we talked to you about Musicals that we like. Yes. Well, we, we talk do. to each other about musicals we like and you listen. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking to you. <laughs> we are. Okay. I love you all. I'm going to preface this with I'm quite sick and I may cough and or blow my nose. Yeah, we've, it's been a little while since. We, the same thing happened. This was the last time we had a gap in recording was because I got sick. Yeah, you got sick. Well, yeah. now we haven't recorded in, what, like two weeks. Yeah. Because I've been so sick. Which is a long time for us to be My apart. ears are blocked. It's too long. It is too I long. didn't like that. No, me neither. Lucky we make contact every second of every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But are you feeling better? Mm, Yes. You're getting there. I'm getting there. Are you on drugs? That's the important thing. Yeah, I am. I'm just on cold and flu stuff. Yeah. Um, But my poor nephew was in hospital with pneumonia. That's awful. Do you think you caught it from him? No, I haven't seen him. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, yeah, right. I think it's like the same virus. Yeah. Definitely. And um, you had to do a COVID test. Yes. Yeah. Which was actually just, oh, God, we're so lucky here. So I just literally pulled up to this clinic. I didn't call ahead. I didn't do anything. I just pulled up to this. Yep. I knew there was a clinic near me. I pulled up. I drove in. I filled out a form. I got the test. I drove off. It was that simple. It took like 10 minutes. Yeah. Everyone was so friendly and helpful. And I got the text the next day saying I didn't have COVID. Uh, amazing. It's just like, wow, how lucky are we to live in this yeah, place? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then because I was sick, I had to like see a doctor, obviously, just in case it was something else. So once I got the negative test to call out my doctor and my doctor was like, look, I can't have you come in, but I will call you for an appointment. So, then, so I couldn't have you come in because of the <clears throat> symptoms? Yeah, that's right. Right. So even though I had the negative test, they were like, look, it's just a blanket thing. If you've got any colon flu symptoms, you can't come in. Yeah, right. Which is just totally fine. So, yeah, he, the doctor called me and had a consultation over the phone and just like, wow, I'm so yeah, lucky. That's yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes, we are very lucky in this country with our healthcare system. Indeed. Yes. So, Ruth, mm. do you have any apologies for all the things that you've done wrong? Wow, I mean, in life, my yeah. God, um, so many, but nothing specific to the podcast. Oh no, no. Do you want to address? Um, we got an email. We got an email last week. Um, oh, tell me, we got an email last month. Oh, was it last month? Yeah. You're not checking the email address, yeah. <laughs> and by you, I mean neither of us. Whoops. Um, from a lovely listener who was suggesting that we, ha- um, while we're talking about songs and musicals, that we play excerpts of the songs that we're talking about. Yeah. And it's something that Ruth and I have spoken about with our sound engineer, Andrew, for <laughs> a while. But it's just been like a bridge too far or, yeah. or just like a bit too it's difficult like at this watch stage. this space. We might end up doing it at some <clears throat> stage. Yeah. But ju- like, you know, Josephine and I record this podcast every week, which yeah. is a lot you know, on top of our, our normal lives. Yeah. And we're and also just asking your husband to. Like, yes, exactly. Just to sort it all um, out. For all charge. the technical stuff and everything. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's something that we might do at some stage, but yes, it would require quite a bit more work on our parts, yeah. which, you know, 
Look, it's a, it's actually an awesome suggestion, and yeah. I agree. We would love to do it. Yeah. Absolutely, it's yeah. just we've just got to work out what the system would be to do that. It's yeah. not a rights thing, actually. Just in case anyone was wondering, isn't it? No. So, um, because what we're talking about is basically like analysis of the musicals. It's under fair use yeah. for copyright, so that's never been the issue. I wouldn't call what I do analysis, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's not the, the rights aren't the issue. Yeah. We, can, we can play the music that we are talking about. It's more this the technicality of getting yeah, it into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just means Andrew would have to sit through this whole thing while he edits it. <laughs> That's Lucky right. Lucky him. He would love that, wouldn't he? Uh, what's your spotlight this week, Ruth? Okay, so this week, sort of going on. So last week I talked about Diane Carroll. Yes, um, Maybe you did. before Diane Carroll. So mine's kind of in the same vein as that. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about um, uh, specifically African-American performers who maybe don't have the recognition that they deserve in yeah. the musical theatre industry. Or that like a, a counterpart white person would. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. why don't we know more about these people that we definitely would if they were white? I was thinking white? about, when I was I was re-listening to the podcast, when you were talking about Diane Carroll, I was like, that's fucked. Like, right? a- any equivalent white woman in the same sort of roles would just be a faint, would be a household a household. Have you seen that clip of Viola Davis talking about it? Um, it's It kind of went viral about six months ago maybe. Oh, yes, I think I did. You Gosh, know, incredible actress yeah, where she's, she's just amazing. basically like, if you look at her resume kind of of what she's done. Yeah. She is of the level of like Meryl Streep, like yeah. these incredible older women actresses. Yeah. And it's like she is just not a household name in the same way that they are. Yeah. And, yeah, and she's just basically calling out and saying like if I was a white woman, this wouldn't be the case. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. So Jeez. in that vein I wanted to talk to you about an, um, a performer named Hinton Battle. Which again, like, do you know no, that name? Never exactly. Heard that name. You know, like, again, it's a great name, though. He, so, it, similarly, when I've been reading a few different things and that sort of thing, like, his name came up a few times. Yeah. Um, and I really felt like I should know more about him. So, like, he literally has three Tony Awards. Fucking hell. Right? Like, for, for performing in musicals, you know? Three. Three. So, he made his Broadway debut as the Scarecrow in the original Broadway production of The Wiz. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and he won his first Tony in 1981 for Sophistic. Sophisticated ladies. Sophisticated lady. He won his second in 1983 for the tap dance kid, and his third in 1991 as the original John in Miss Saigon. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you'll also appreciate that he was in the Buffy musical episode once more with feeling. Yes, I know because he was the uh, sweet the jazz demon. Yeah, and he his voice is beautiful. Actually, I have googled him. Have you watching once more with feeling because he has such a great voice okay, and he can cool. like he dances quite a bit in it. Yeah. And I think it, I read that he had, like, I don't think he was the choreographer of that episode, but I think he, like, assisted with the choreography yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that would make um, sense. Yeah, and he's also quite an accomplished director and choreographer on, like, in his own right. He did um, that Evil Dead, the musical. Oh, cool. Yeah, he did that off-Broadway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Hinton Battle, just a name that everyone should know, and yet we don't, you know? He's and got I, a great voice. Again, I just feel like you would otherwise. 100%. And also, like, possibly his career would have gone on to... Yep more things as well otherwise, right? Like you got three Tony Awards know, to your name. I know. <sighs> it saddens me. It saddens it's, me. It, it's broken, isn't it? The system's yeah. broken. Yeah. So that's hit and battle. Oh, thanks for that, Ruthie. That was no good. Uh, my spotlight this week is in keeping with my musical. So I'm going to talk about the band's visit. It's oh, yes. my musical this week. Um, so I've linked to a really good BuzzFeed article addressing the fact that the band's visit is really the first musical which represents Middle Eastern cultures in a way that's not political. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like we have a lot of musicals where um, Middle Eastern cultures are, you know, are like symbolic or yeah, it's some sort of like political. Well, a lot statement. of ancient as well ones, That's right? True, yes. Yeah, so like ancient. This Arab. is sort of like the first, just normal everyday life representation of Middle Eastern people. Yeah, wow. Um, so a lot of the actors from the cast talk about how difficult it is to find work as a Middle Eastern person in the American musical theater or just in TV in general, unless you want to be... Like a stereotype. A stereotype, yeah. Yeah. Um, And even then it's quite difficult. So the article is actually really good. It goes into a lot of great depth. Um, And I didn't want to just read it out for you verbatim here. So have a a look at it because it's really interesting. But in my sort of investigations into this musical, I've just been really... I I think I sort of knew it. I knew that that was the case 
about this musical, but it's just really uh, just a really positive representation. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, which is great. So that's, that's awesome. my spotlight. Awesome. Mm. Uh, what's our feeder explained for the week? We're going to talk about the Olivier Awards. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Because last week we talked about the Tonys. Mm. Now it's the Olivier. Do you want to? Do you want to start us off? Sure. So uh, the <clears throat> Olivier Awards, of course, are what many would sort of consider the UK version of the Tonys. Yes. Um, they were first established in 1976 by the Society of London Theatre, which is uh, referred to as SALT most of the time when you see them referred to. Um, and it was established as the Society of West End Awards. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're also known as the Lawrence Olivier Awards uh, to recognise excellence in professional theatre in London. The awards, uh, I think the name changed in 1984 is yeah. what I've got down. So it's it was, um, like Ruth said, originally the Society of West End Theatre Awards and then it was changed to Laurence Olivier. Of, of, honestly, um, Laurence Olivier, one of the greatest sort of stage actors yeah. um, of, I think, ever. What do you reckon? Yeah, and he um, so he yeah he gave his consent in 1984 for the awards to be renamed in yeah, his honour. Yeah, he's still alive. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting that the first one, so the first ones that were um, broadcast on television was 1981, <laughs> and they were broadcast on BBC One, and that continued every year until 1992, uh, before switching to BBC Two each year until 2003. At which point they stopped showing it on television. Oh wow! In 2003, but then it came back in 2013. Huh. Um, I. TV, a different network yeah. in the UK secured the broadcast rights. So I just thought it was really interesting that there was like a 10-year gap where it wasn't shown on television. I think it was on radio. That's really sad. Yeah, it is kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, they're back on TV now, which is um, great. I have some fun facts. Yeah, go for it. Hamilton holds the record for the most Olivier nominations with 13. Yeah. Interestingly, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child holds the award, the, um, the record for the most awards won with nine in 2017. Yeah. And the statue that you receive when you win an Olivier weighs almost two kilograms. Oh, wow. It's made out of bronze. Yeah. It's, it's off him, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a little um, bust of him. It's not that little. Thing. It's fucking two kilos. <laughs> I think it's like one of the heavier awards you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting that kind of similar to the Helpman Awards in Australia, yeah. like the Tony Awards are just about Broadway theatre, right? So it's just this plays about and musicals. professional theatre, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so, for example, there's like drama, musicals and like dance and opera, yeah, nice. which is just not the case in – oh, I guess if a dance – show or an opera was on Broadway, they would be eligible for a Tony but technically, but it just doesn't really happen. Yes. Um, so I thought it was interesting that like those have individual categories within them, but then like best director, best choreography, set, costume, lighting and sound design are giving it, given out like across those categories. Yeah, it's open. To, like, it's like you could be a playing competition with a musical in yes. those categories, couldn't you? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Which in, I thought was interesting. As opposed to like in the Tonys, it's best direction of a musical or yes, whatever. Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like that the awards also include like off West End productions yeah. that are professional. Like I, I like that it's yeah. it feels just a bit more inclusive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's the Olivier Awards, everyone. That has been Theatre Explained. Do you have anything you want to recommend? I do. I want to keep with my um, NPR Tiny Desk concert recommendations. Ooh. And I want to I want to recommend to you Leslie Odom Jr.'s Tiny Desk concert. Oh, oh, I haven't seen that haven't one. Haven't you? No. Oh, my God. Like of his own stuff? Yeah. Okay. Fuck his voice, man. Oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I just, I was wanting, I was, because I was so sick. And I was wanting a bit of comfort, so I just chucked Hamilton on for a bit and then just watching him like, man, this guy's crazy. So then I just went to YouTube and just YouTubed him and went down a spiral and the Tiny Desk concert came up and yeah, and it was the beginning of a love story. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, listen to that. Watch that. He's amazing. The Tiny Desk concerts are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine, uh, so first off, by the time that this comes out, um, I probably will have watched this, but I haven't yet. But The Prom is out on Netflix. Oh, I've started watching it. Have you? Yeah. Okay. So I haven't started yet. And um, I stopped. Uh, yeah. I think a few people have said that After to me. maybe 30 seconds, yeah. 35 seconds okay. maybe. I'm definitely going to sit down and watch the whole thing. And <laughs> Sure. Good and luck really... to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say that I quite enjoyed the show on Broadway. Yeah. But I, I mostly have an issue with James Corden's casting in yeah, the film. I, a little bit Meryl Streep, although I've heard it's – 
like her best vocal performance of anything she's done. Yeah, so I've only made it through that first number that they sing, okay. and she sounds excellent. Okay, that's good. Yeah, she sounds a lot better but than he just, does. But it was um, it was Beth Level on yeah. Broadway, yeah. you know, and we talked about Beth Level in the Drowsy Chaperone episode. She played the Drowsy Chaperone yeah. on Broadway, and you just want like that. Like a, an Ethel Merman. Like you want like that enormous brassy yeah. Broadway voice yeah. that my fear is that like Meryl Streep just doesn't doesn't physically have, you no. know. Yeah. I'm sure she acts the shit out of it because it's Meryl Streep. But yeah. um, but yeah, James Corden. I mean, what a what a miscast. But I, and I can say that and I haven't even seen seen it, but I will watch it. Well, I think I, it's I, just fair to say he shouldn't be in anything. <laughs> I used you know, it's funny, I used to really like he was in One Man, Two Governors on Broadway and won a Tony for it. Yeah. And was in the original cast of The History Boys, for example. Yeah. And I think he's quite good in that film. But it's almost like as, I think as he's gotten older, maybe being a talk show host does this, but it's like he's more and more inauthentic yeah. the more things he does. Yeah. I do think that he was a talented actor when he was younger. Mm. And it's like that. Just like he's lost it. Yeah, yeah. It's a real shame. It's Is a it? real shame. We don't well, need yeah. him. Yeah. I, like, I loved his One Man, Two Governors Tony Awards um, performance performance that he does just that, yeah. that little scene yeah all this like amazing physical comedy and it's just kind of gone mm. you know I think that's a shame yeah um but yeah I'm looking forward to watching that but yes if you haven't watched that is, is our Netflix um and the other one the other one that I am going to link to is that the Gilgood concert recording of Les Mis so the stage concert that they did last year with Alfie Bow and Michael Ball um as Valjean and Javert has been released. Yeah. So if you want to listen to a new recording of Les Mis, it is on Spotify. And Can I just recommend that you don't listen to that? But how much did we love? On Girard. On Girard. And we and, love the Marius. And Fontaine was very good. Yes. What was her name? Um, uh, Carrie, Carrie Hope Fletcher. Carrie Hope Fletcher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. So you can listen to this. Michael Ball is just too much in it. it I, it's a real shame. Again, I think Michael Ball's really talented. I just don't think he's a Javert. I don't think Alfie Bowes. Well, uh, yeah. Again, yeah. it's lovely to listen to Alfie Bo, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you and your Alfie Bo, hey. <laughs> I hate him. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, if you do want to listen to a new cast recording of Les Mis, it is available to listen to. That's on something as well. You can watch the stage concert. I think, I you, think it's well, on Amazon, is it? Is it? Oh, I like. think so. Something you can stream. Yeah, yeah. It's on one of one of the ones I have, which oh, okay. is all of them. That's cool. Except, so I have Netflix, Stan, Amazon, and Disney. It's on one of them. Okay, you can watch cool. it. Yeah. Yeah, probably Amazon then. I think Amazon, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Should we talk about some shows? Let's. I start this week. Okay. I'm going to settle in. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about today. Don't you? No. Okay. Today I'm talking about a little, quite a little show called Dogfight. Oh, Dogfight. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay. What do you reckon? Yeah, I like it. You you quite like the score of this, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. I yeah. Do. Okay. I approve. Carry on. So I first saw the musical Dogfight in 2015 when it was done at the Hayes Theatre in Sydney. Yeah. Um, my husband, Andrew, was the sound operator, one of the sound operators on that show. And I had never heard it before. I'd never listened to it before. In fact, I'd, I don't think I'd even heard of the show when mm. I saw it then. Uh, but I ended up seeing that production twice. The funny thing was I wasn't actually sure if I liked the show when I saw it there, but I knew that I loved the music. I just didn't know if I agreed with the show. Mm. Like I found it, we'll talk about it, but it's it's a little bit problematic yeah. in its, in a lot of it. And a lot of that has to do with the original film that it's based on and everything. But anyway, so I knew I loved the music. And then when I was in New York last March, it happened to be at the same time that the Second Stage Theatre, which is where it was originally um, performed in New York, were doing a series of concerts for their 40th anniversary. Mm. And as part of that, they put on a one-night-only concert production of Dogfight, um, which uh, Andrew and I went to with our friend Josh. And it was like so good like yeah. I can't tell you the voices yeah because it's already a great score and then hearing these like top notch Broadway voices singing yeah. this score I really was, wish I had seen oh that. my like, god yeah. it's also one of the only times where I was like do I illegally record this on my phone just so <gasps> I have a copy imagine I know I didn't of course you didn't I know because you're a square I am a square but I I really was tempted just by so the, there's no recording of that I no, no god damn such a shame it lives in it? your head I know 
So, so um, music and lyrics by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Their best musical, I think. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. I, I agree, though. Yeah. yeah. And a book by Peter, Peter Dukan. Um, so we discussed Pasek and Paul, obviously, in the Dear Evan Hansen episode. Um, Peter Dukan, who wrote the, um, the book, is a playwright and a screenwriter. Um, this is his only musical, but he's had uh, a little bit of success with a feature film uh, that he wrote that, like, did a lot of festivals and stuff like that. I think it went to Sundance. Um, like Pasek and Paul, he was fairly young when this was written. Mm. So it's based on the 1991 film of the same name, <laughs> which starred River Phoenix. I've never seen the film. Oh, haven't you? I, oh, you've seen it, have you? Yeah, I have. Is it that famous? No, it's not very famous. Okay. No. It's just something that you've seen. Yeah. I've yeah, seen a okay. lot of films. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, like it's not – again, I'd never heard of the film before um, seeing the show either. <laughs> So um, when we so synopsis so when we start the show it's 1967 and Eddie Birdlace is a U.S. Marine who's just returned from Vietnam. He's on a Greyhound bus to San Francisco and he's remembering a night that he spent in San Francisco four years earlier. At that point, we flash back to 1963 and Eddie is one of a group of Marines who are in San Francisco on their last night of freedom before being shipped off to Vietnam the next day. They decide to hold an awful awful competition known as a dog fight which is where they all put money in and who can whoever can bring the ugliest date to the party wins the pot fucked men are the worst they really are um so eddie meets rose who's a waitress and aspiring songwriter and invites her to the to the dog fight which of course she thinks is a real date right yeah Fuck, man. Anyway, although Eddie is conflicted about bringing Rose into the actual party. Because she's too pretty. Well, and I think, you know, the point is like he actually does, is feeling somewhat of a connection with her and he's like, am I that much of an asshole? But, yeah, he takes her into the party. I just love that it takes for a man to actually maybe feel emotions towards a woman or attraction before he realises right? that he's a exactly. cunt. Right, exactly. I love that. Um, so he does end up taking her into the party and while she's there she finds out the true nature of, of yeah. the party that she's at from one, so of, one of the other women. She's furious, of course, and slaps him before leaving the party. Uh, the Marines all keep partying but Eddie feels terrible and leaves them to go and see if Rose will accept his apology and go out on a real date. She he ends up agreeing, like sort of sees that he's really trying to be genuine and they have a slightly awkward but lovely first date, which ends with them boning. Uh- <laughs> you are so romantic. Yes, totally. So the next day the Marines all ship out and Eddie sees the senselessness of the war as all his friends, you know, that we've spent the previous evening with are basically killed one by one. Um at that stage, we are flashback to 1967 with Eddie, who is now a broken man um, from the war. And he finds his way in San Francisco to the diner where Rose works. And she, you know, she's a very compassionate person and welcomes him back. Not mm. necessarily like it's not clear that they're going to be together, but no. just she welcomes him back into her life kind of thing. Yeah. In the film, I think it's like a they hug or something. Yeah, that's kind of the end of the show. Like yeah. they hug and that's sort of. Yeah. Because it's like he's broken, you know, like he's. Yeah, well, he's got just did PTSD, and, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, again, it's an awful storyline. Like, I'm I'm not – there's no two ways about it. The, no. Yeah. It's, but I don't I – don't, uh, I don't ever think they're, like, trying to pass him off as some sort of great guy or a, a great romantic lead. No. It's almost like – like, here's this dickhead kid who then goes off and something awful happens to him. Yes, like, exactly. And that, I think, is fine. It's just representing a thing that happened. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So um, a little bit about the show's history. So we talked a bit, little bit about the start of Pasek and Paul's career in the mm. Dear Evan Hansen episode. At, like, I think I mentioned in that episode, it's one of my favourite kind of origin stories. Yeah, yeah such of, a good one. Of a, of a composer where um, – you know, they had written Edges in 2005 when they were 19 and at college together. And, you know, they there was this thing where basically they ended up uh, uh, one of the composers of Avenue Q ended up paying for them to Lopez, stay in. Uh, no, it was um, uh, Jeff uh, Marks. Oh, Marks. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, ended up paying for them to stay in New York and do concerts that summer when they were going to have to leave. They and got then, like seven grand yeah, or something? Yeah, it was like that yeah. was the money they were going to need to stay in New York and instead they he just said, you only have to pay me back if you have a Broadway show open before you're 30. Yeah, and they and did. They, and they did and they paid him back on opening night, which I is I just that. it's so incredible. Yeah, it's a great story. So um, the fact that they'd written Edges um, got them quite a bit of traction as composers and 
at the time that they are sort of working on Dogfight, they're working on quite a number of different projects over the next several years that are all kind of at different stages of development. So you sort of see their career. There was sort of a number of projects that kind of all come to fruition at the same time. Oh, cool. Um, so in the end, Dogfight was their first show to be professionally produced in New York City. Yeah. Uh, coming just before A Christmas Story, which is the show that went to Broadway and that that they um, paid able back to pay the, money. the money. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's also just before their songs are featured in the second season of Smash. So, like, all of that happens in a year. Yeah. Dogfight, Christmas Story, Smash, that's all within a year. Like, Such that's really big, where it all yeah, kind of, wow. yeah. So um, before its first production, Dogfight had been the recipient of a 2011 Richard Rogers Award for Musical Theatre from the American Academy of Arts and Letters. So winning the award afforded them to take the opportunity um, to take it to a proper production kind of mm. thing. There's lots of shows that like Town won this award. Yeah. Like I think um, like definitely almost every composer you will have heard of like has had had that award at some stage yeah. and it just kind of gives them some money either to do a, a workshop, proper workshop or a production or whatever. It's really amazing award. So the show starts previews at the second stage theatre off Broadway on June 27th, 2012 and ran till August 19th, 2012. And that's it. That's its entire sort of wow. professional um, time in New York City. Like I, I think, think there was a lot enough. of whispers of it going to Broadway, but it, it didn't end up happening. But, yeah, that's it. So it's it, such a shame. Yeah. But, again, the fact that they did a cast recording is a big part of the reason yeah. it lives on, you know. Yeah. Um, so that production was directed by Joe Mantello, who directed Wicked, amongst many other successful shows, like very famous Broadway director. Yeah. Uh, it won two 2013 Lucille Lortel Awards. <laughs> for It won for Outstanding Musical and Outstanding Choreography for Chris to Vicatelli. Mm. Um, so again, like did really well, yeah. you know, in that re- respect. And it made its London debut at the Southwark Playhouse running from August 8th to September 13th, 2014. So some fun facts. So the cast off Broadway included like some really amazing performers who've gone on to great success, considering this, we're just talking about an off-Broadway show. So, you know, now Tony winners, Lindsay Mendez, who yes. played, who played Rose, and Annalie Ashford, who was um, she's basically the 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 woman who reveals to Rose what the dog fight's the really about. prostitute, right? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's kind of like set up that she's going to win the dog fight. She's in on it with, yeah. like, she knows what she's going to and she wears false teeth and yeah. they sing the song Dog Fight, which well, ends the first the act. I think in the film she's a sex worker. Is she? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think she might be in the show too, yeah. actually. Not that uh, and then Tony nominee Derek Klenner, he got nominated this year for Jagged Little Pill. Uh-huh. Yeah. He plays Eddie. Um, just like. The three of those people are phenomenal great performers, voices. like great incredible voices. voices, great performers. Yeah, it's um, yeah, just great to see them like at the beginning of their careers, kind of thing. So Lindsay Mendez and Derek Klenner, who played Rose and Eddie, went on to play Elphaba and Fierro in Wicked opposite Cute. each other, and they have Except lots of that fans. That's such a shit show. <laughs> and they have lots of fans who like <laughs> ship them, if you will, <laughs> as a as a couple, even though they they've never been romantically involved. Um, what does that mean, really? Ship it says for relationship. I don't like it. It's an internet term. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? It's it's been around for a it's long an time. Internet term. Okay. Um, so they call them Clendez, right? Like yeah, that's nice. the, that's the sort of cute little nickname they have for them. And they went on to perform a cabaret together at Fifty Four Below that was called Hashtag Clendez. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So, so um, sort of. T- like touching on what we were discussing before, but like I think one of the biggest issues with the show is that it it doesn't really take a point of view on the behaviour of of the yeah. Marines in the show because yeah. it's not just like I'm not just talking about the dogfight. Like there's a point in which a character they get they really want like one of this kind of a young nerdy Marine is one of them. Like he goes off and they pay a sex worker for him to lose his virginity. You know, I think it's like a scene in which she's like, oh, I'm too tired. We're finished for the night. He's like, he basically, they they get all aggressive and like, no, you'll do this. I'm going to lose my, you know, like it's, it's awful, awful, Awful. full of toxic masculinity. Like it's just disgusting. Anyway. Yeah. um, So obviously it is basically toxic masculinity, the musical, but it's not like they learn a lesson as Mm. such. Like we don't see, you know, it's it's just like, oh, they go off to Vietnam and get killed and he doesn't get killed and he's traumatised by the actual awfulness of the dogfight and the awfulness of their behaviour. That, nothing to do with that kind mm. of thing. War is still terrible without the terribleness of the of the toxic masculinity that's taking place, yeah. you know? So do you – are you saying that you think that it should be addressed? Yeah. 
<clears throat> Interesting. Or at least, yeah, it's almost like, like I guess this could be seen, like it's an adaptation, right? It could be seen as a failing of the film yeah. rather than the musical because they've just like adapted it from there. But I just feel like there could be more of a moral standpoint taken. Yeah. I definitely agree that I think the original film missed the mark like in multiple areas. Like I think it didn't really address the Vietnam War or if it was attempting to address like the experience of a young person in the 60s, I don't think it really did. It just became like okay. it became like a romance where the the protagonist was just a little bit problematic. Yeah. And by a little bit I mean a lot. So I agree that I don't think it really hit any of those points. But then in the same breath I also think like it's not glorifying that behavior, certainly. Yeah, it's just not really addressing it, and I don't, I don't know whether yeah, everything. Yeah, that, but that's to... almost—it's almost like I wish they'd almost gone the other way with it. Like it's, it's, it just feels to me like it doesn't really do either. Yeah, okay. It's almost like either like <laughs> yeah, let's make them completely villainous, which I guess you could do in a in a production of yeah. it. But isn't that just human? Like, aren't people just a bit shit all the time? Yeah, and look, to be honest, we had the same conversation about Dear Evan Hansen, didn't we? Yeah, about just he's like, lying. Some people are shit and some people get away with it. Yeah. And, yeah, sometimes you don't learn a lesson or sometimes, yeah, you go to war and you get murdered. Like, it, it's – I don't know. Yeah. I do sort of feel like – we don't. All, there doesn't always have to be some sort of moral standpoint. Mor- you're right. And as an audience, we're able to sit back and say, "Wow, that's a really shit thing that happened." I guess. I guess I would just hate for someone to be watching this thinking that anyone condones the behaviour. Mm. I don't know. It's. Mm. It just feels so. The the idea of the dogfight just feels so specifically awful. It's awful. Of course, it's awful. You but know? like, you can't control how people see it. No. And even if there had been a moral in that story i'm sure someone out there some dickhead out there is like this is a great idea yeah so yeah absolutely i don't know i I feel a little differently to you i think yeah and and look to be honest i don't i don't know i'd actually still love to do this show like regardless of all that honestly the music is so beautiful the music is great so as as josephine touched on as well like in a lot of ways i certainly think this is pasek and paul's best score if nothing else i don't i don't know that i think that it's a better musical overall than dear evan hansen like in a lot of ways i actually think dear evan hansen is a better show Mm. but i think that it is definitely their best score And and it's also by far their most complex music it's like yeah it's almost like as their career has gone on, I mean, I don't, I don't want to insult them because I actually do think that they're really talented songwriters. Well, I think they're, they're just they're, catering more for the masses. Yes, exactly. They, that, it, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, and obviously, something like the Greatest Showman that they wrote as well is very much yeah. like it's very poppy. It's very poppy, and they are pop. Like they are that yes. aesthetic, right? But I think like. You couldn't say my mum loves Greatest Showman. You couldn't sell her on Dogfight necessarily mm, in the same way. Like you couldn't yeah. just say, listen to this. Yeah, okay, it that's be interesting. Slightly different. Yeah, but like the harmonies, in yeah. it, like the the music is just so much more rich than yeah. anything else that it they is. have done. I think it is. I, not that I, to be fair, like I haven't really given a Christmas story a good listen. I want to at some point. They did a live TV version of it, yes. um, which I have not watched, but I will at some stage, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I. Yeah, I just think it's definitely their most complex and interest, most interesting score, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's also like a little bit more folky than anything else that they've well, done. Does she want to be a folk singer? Yeah, so she like like the the, the, <laughs> the actress who plays her has to be out like play guitar. Yeah. And um, Because it's very like 60s San Francisco, like, exactly. like hippies and flower, yeah, yeah all yeah. of that stuff. So, yeah, so like a lot of her kind of stuff is that, that when he first sees her she's like playing – like a music in the diner in the that diner, she works yeah. at kind yeah. of thing. And, and a lot of the music is very like that. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that really suits them. I think that they did a great job of, of like musical theatrizing that folk sound. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish, I sort of wish that they would do that a bit more as well. Yeah. 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 So um, there's only one cast recording to link to, which is that original cast recording. I have to but say it's, it's so actually, it's, it's great. The, uh, the cast is great. It's not, very well recorded, I mm. will say. Like this, the quality of the recording, I wouldn't say, is amazing. Yeah, but the cast are incredible. Yeah, so it's you know, a good snapshot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, so some gateway songs. So I've gone with um, the first one, "Some Kind of Time," which is like the boys. Like, uh, so this is the group of Marines. They call themselves the the Bumblebees or whatever. They all have like a little bee tattoo on them each. Um, three bees, I think that's it. The three yeah. bees. Um, Oh, because that's right. Because their last names all start with B, Bird Lace, um, whatever. So they, it's there again. These male harmonies yeah, are just 
insane. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is like all the boys going out on the town together kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah, the harmonies are just ridiculous in this song. Um, the second one is Pretty Funny, which is the duet that they – that. Um, Rose and Eddie sing when they're kind of falling for each other. Oh, no, sorry. No, that's – sorry. I'm thinking – I'm getting – that's first date last night. I'm getting them confused. Yeah. Pretty Funny is the one that she sings yeah. um, at the end of the first act that is like a real gut wrench of a song. Yeah. Uh, that is like Rose is just, yeah, like kind of saying like I guess I'm not that pretty mm. – uh, yeah, it's really – it's a sad, beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, pretty tough. I, I wasn't – First Date Last Night is not on my list of gateway songs, but it's also a great song. I don't think it's a gateway. No, neither do I. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is Come Back, which is Eddie's big song. I love that song. Yeah, so it's it's literally like during the war. Like yeah. in the, so, so we're sort of in like 1967, then we flash back to 1963 for most of the show, and then this is kind of like – there's sort of like a little song and a bit that's in between the two – which yeah. is when he's in Vietnam. Yeah. And this is kind of the, the 11 o'clock number, if you will. Um, yeah, it's, it's Eddie's it's kind of – And it is a massive scene for – And he's doing those like octave jumps yeah. at the end to hit an A. Like it's very yeah, it's hard crazy. seeing. Yeah. De- Derek Klenner has such an incredible voice. The control. And the tone of it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, um, yeah, and it's just so it's, – It's him realising that like – war is shit yeah. and it's all been a big lie and but yeah it's a it's a fantastic song yeah um but yeah it's honestly guys if you don't know dogfight have a listen to oh, it i think i've forgotten how much i love it oh like listening to it in preparation for this yeah. i could it's again it's one of those shows i could just listen to again and again it's very easy to listen it to is. i think yeah i also just love a small show like a small cast yeah. show so i think you can do it with like 12 maybe there's a there is a few random characters in it um yeah but it's such like a her tight little and like there's but yeah. yes there's no ensemble for example yeah, which yeah. i love i actually yeah. just love that yeah about i think 12s i think it's basically basically like 12 to 15 people that yeah. you do it with yeah. yeah but it is oh so good the score is amazing yeah, yeah. that was a good one thanks love thank you um do you want to hear about the band's visit sure i just tried to put my papers back on the piano and they fell off <laughs> You're a loser. I am. So the band's visit. Yes. What do you think of this? So I saw it on. I will say I was very sick when I saw it on Broadway. Oh, I had no. a, had a really bad cold. I was on a work trip. Um, <laughs> I saw it with our friend Isaac, and You're I just remember. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm have you got water? Oh uh, yes, I do. Okay, have a sip while I talk. Yes. Carry on. <laughs> so I. I remember, so I can't remember if it was pre or post Tonys that year that I saw it, but I do remember that it was like the toast of the town, right? Like it was, it, it was, was pre the hot because show. when we watched the Tonys, you had seen it. Had I? Okay, sure, okay, yeah. good to know. Um, and I, I mostly remember thinking this is beautiful. Yeah, it almost didn't feel like a musical to me. Yeah, it felt like a play with music. Yeah, I, I do remember thinking that there was a reason it swept the Tonys that year. I think mm. that it was um, a little bit, when I say political, I mean like um, people really like grabbed onto the idea of the band's visit yeah. and wanted to reward it kind yeah. of thing, award it. Yeah. And I think that that's the part of the reason that they won so many Tonys that year. Interesting. Yeah. Um, even though it was based on a film, it was also a year where a lot of stuff was nominated that was quite commercial. Yeah. And so I also think it was a bit of a, a rewarding of that. Yeah. So, yes, I enjoyed the show. It's not I, – I, I love listening to the, to the cast recording. Yeah. But it's not a show that I would necessarily rush back to see again. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I disagree on a couple of points. Okay. We can talk about them later. Let's talk about that. So I didn't know anything about the show until I watched the 2018 Tony in your lounge room, in your parents' (laughs) lounge room. In my parents' lounge room. Where it just did really well, as Ruth said. I was super intrigued by it. They performed two numbers, I think. Maybe even just one. Did they do? <clears throat> I think she did. She did Omar Sharif. And did it go into maybe ans- Answer Me? Answer. Well, I think it went into like waiting, something random. Oh, okay. I have to check that actually. Yeah. So I then, like after that Tony Awards, I just did a bit more investigating and I fell in love. Like yeah. I really just fell in love with the show. Um, but also, as you probably know by now with me, I like shows that aren't very typical. Yeah. So I like the fact that this does feel like a play with yes, music in yeah. it. I like the fact that not much really happens. 
I love the music yeah, in it. Yeah, it's like very it's, true that not much really happens. Yeah, I really like that about yeah. it. <clears throat> Sorry, I know I'm going to cough, but anyway. So this, The Band's Visit is a book musical with music and lyrics by David Yazbek and book by Itamar Moses. And I think this is our first Yazbek. Oh, my God, I think you're right, which is funny because I love David Yazbek. Yeah, well, so as I was doing this, I was like, we haven't, I don't think we've spoken about David Yazbek. I feel like he's been on a lot of our mixtapes. Yes, because we've done like a few Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. But anyway, so, yeah, David Yazbek, hello. It's based on the 2007 Israeli film of the same name. So the plot. I'm going to really break it down, but um, eight men of the Alexandria Ceremonial Police Orchestra arrive in Israel from Egypt because they've been booked to perform at an Arab cultural centre. But there is like a language mix-up and the band arrive in the wrong town in the middle of the Israeli desert. So something like the name of the town, I can't remember what it is, but has like a letter in it that doesn't exist. It's like like Iqbal or like... (laughs) No, it's um, it's it's like a P or a B. Okay. And anyway, the oh, better, better tikva. It's yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, but like the P sound doesn't yeah, exist in yeah. like Arabic or whatever. So they end up in the wrong place. It's in the middle of the desert, and there's only one bus in and out of that town every single day. So the band is stuck in the wrong town. They meet the people of the town, and what ensues is really just a story of life of just people living their life. Yeah, um, there is sort of implied romantic feeling between like the main female character is she sort of like runs it in and and sort of like lets people stay there and sort of opens her doors. Um, There's like it's implied there but it's not really explicit. There is like elements of heartbreak as sort of people tell their stories but it's all very real and emotional. Like none of it is melodramatic and nothing really eventuates of any of it. Um, I love a story about humans just going about their life. Yeah, and you really like, like, it's all set in 24 hours, isn't it? It's yes. almost like. It's just one night. Yeah, yeah. So they, they come in, they can't get the bus until the next day. So the story is they're just, just stuck until, there, yeah. they're just stuck. So it's just this one day. It's a really small story. Yeah. And I love that. Um, yeah, so it's, it, that's all it is. It's And then just interspersed with this really, really beautiful music. Yeah, the score is stunning. It's so stunning. So there is more plot, obviously, like one of the characters, I think he's lost his wife and his child and one of the other characters, like each of the musicians sort of has a story yeah. that they tell and they meet with different people in the town and some people don't like them and some people like them and it's not political. Like a lot of people think it's about the mm. meeting of um, of like Israeli and Egyptian people. It's really not. No. Like it's just not about that at all. That just happens to be where it's set. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just beautiful. Um, so some background. Like I said, this is our first David Yazbek that we've covered. Yay. David Yazbek was born in New York City. Um, He's got Lebanese, Italian and Jewish ancestry and he got into music from a really young age. Some listeners may recognise his work on the theme song to the TV show Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. That's right. So random. A classic. Yeah. (laughs) When I read that I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Mm, So good. He's pretty much known for adapting existing stories or films into musicals. Yeah. Like that's it. So his first foray was The Full Monty. He did the musical of The Full Monty. Um, Then he did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Then Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. And then The Band's Visit. And then Tootsie. So I've seen... Except for the Vermonti, I've seen all those shows, professional productions of oh, wow. all those shows. That's yeah. great. I've seen the Vermonti. Have you? Yeah. Where well, it, was, it? it was here. It was done here in Australia many, many years ago. Like the ago. professional production. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen it. I didn't much enjoy it, but okay. I saw it. <laughs> There's um, it had the beautiful Patrick Wilson in the original cast, and he God, sings he's that. So Is it Breeze off the River? Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful song. How much do we love Patrick Wilson? Oh my God. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too much. I oh, know. Ruth's like squirming in a seat. <laughs> He's so attractive. Oh, he's so attractive. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually, until I saw that list of musicals, I didn't realise, but all of his musicals are adaptations yeah, they are. of films. Of yeah. films, yeah. right? Yeah. It's totally fine. So, yeah, the, he loves a movie to a musical shift. That's yep. great. Good on him. You know, him and Jason Robert Brown are quite good friends. Oh, nice. Of course. Of course. Because they're both basically jazz musicians. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. They really are. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so the film was released in 2007 and it was written and directed by Iran Kolarin. Um, the producer on that, on the musical Oren Wolf, saw the film at the other Israel Film Festival and was immediately interested in putting the story on the stage. So he just happened to, Oren Wolf just happened to see that film and was like, bam, let's make this a stage play. Mm. Um, he said that the themes of the film fit with the stage perfectly. 
And I, I actually really agree. It's, it's yeah. small. Like the idea of people being stuck in one place is really perfect. For yeah. A, I mean, you don't have to change the set. The story, yes. the story features musicians. Like they're part of the story. Yeah. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense to have it be a musical. I have to say it's one of the things <clears throat> I really loved about the show was that like a lot of the music was played for you live yeah. on stage. Because they're, yeah. they're part of a band. That's yeah. the point. And also like I love that a lot of language barriers exist in the story and that's like infinitely watchable. Yeah. And, yeah. Interesting. So it does. It's true that a lot of the themes just really fit perfectly on the stage. So Oren Wolf convinced um, Iran Colorin, the writer, that an adaptation was a good idea. And Hal Prince, of course, we have to mention Hal yeah. Prince, asked to be involved to help develop it. Um, Hal suggested David Yazbek and Itamar Moses as like helming the project. Yeah. So development actually took quite a while. Hal Prince got on board around 2013. So just re- reminding you that the film was 2007. Oren Wolf saw it pretty much straight away and was working on it that whole time. Hal Prince came on board in 2013 and then it was sort of in various stages of composition from then until it premiered off-Broadway at the Atlantic Theatre Company in 2006 in November. 2016, sorry. How how does that work? 2016 in November. Um, Hal Prince was supposed to direct it but he had other stuff going on so David Cromer directed. That production starred Tony Shalhoub, um, who you might know from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, he was the or father. Monk. Yeah, or Monk. He's yeah. in Monk. That's right. He um, is Monk. Yes, and Katrina Lank was also in that production. Yeah. who we love. It then transferred to Broadway, where it began previews in October 2017 at the Ethel Barrymore Theatre. It opened in November 2017. Um, it recouped its money less than a year later, and then it closed in April 2019 after 589 performances and 36 previews. Yeah, it was a hit. Yeah, like a proper hit. Um, yeah, it's it sort of fits in with this kind of new category of shows I would put like fun home and next to normal and those sort of shows in the same category where it's like they do they're big critical successes right and so they do well enough to recoup but that they cannot become a long running no you know that sort of show and I do feel like with those shows that's never the intention or the plan because it's just that's just not the formula no and I just love that we have those shows to keep Broadway from becoming yeah, just a Disney exactly. thing. Like super commercial. Yeah, it's really great that these shows exist. Shows like Waitress and shows like yeah. this, like shows that are smaller and just a little bit, I want to say highbrow, but I don't mean that. I just no. mean like a, a little more complex perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Not for everyone, you Just know? not for everyone. And yeah. that's totally fine. So, yeah, the band's visit was a huge hit. It was really popular. The Huffington Post called it exquisite. Oh. Which I love that word very much. <laughs> uh, the New York Times said it was one of the most ravishing musicals you will ever be seduced by. Oh. And that it was also a rarity outside of Sondheim shows to find a musical for grown-ups on Broadway these days. Yeah, fascinating. I would agree with that. Yeah. And yeah. it's very, just very true. Like yeah. this is not a family-friendly musical no. really. It's, it's a proper adult slow burn musical. Yes. Yeah. And it does have the sense of, and, and this might sound super ignorant, but when you watch like a foreign language film that are generally a little slower or yep. small smaller stories yeah the musical feels like that yeah and I love that yeah like some of my favorite films are those really slow burning foreign films yeah and yeah that's what this is have you seen the film no I don't know why I thought you would have but again it's but also like it's not a film that's like crossed my radar you know what I mean yeah that's very true was it like had you seen it before you'd Knew the no, I saw it after yeah. like I knew about like, the I musical. don't think it was that big. No, it wasn't. You know, it really yeah. wasn't. And it was only, like I said, that the producer just happened to see it at a film festival yeah. that he was like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Off-Broadway production cleaned up at the Drama Desk Awards, um, the Lucille Lortel Awards and the Outer Circle Critic Awards. Like it just went nuts. Like it won yeah. everything. Then the Broadway production dominated the 2018 Tonys, as Ruth like has said. dominated. Completely. It was nominated for 11 awards and it won 10. Yeah, that's amazing. Huge. It, that included Best Musical, Best Book, Best Original Score, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Featured Actor, Best Lighting Design, Best Sound Design, Best Direction and Best Orchestrations. Mm. I think it missed out on Best Choreography is what. Right. That's what I think it was. But anyway. Um so then a national tour began in June 2019, um, which was interrupted by the pandemic. Similarly, it was supposed to have its international premieres um, premiere in Manila, which did go into previews in March this year but had to close due to COVID. Uh, Hopefully those um, productions will both open again yeah. soon. 
Probably not the US one anytime soon, but. No. Anyway, the music is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like it's so beautiful. You can listen to the original Broadway cast recording on Spotify. It's all beautiful. Like the whole the whole thing is beautiful and it's not too, you know how some, um, like when you listen to a cast recording, it's quite a big daunting sort of task. It's not too big. No, like it's not, you're right. There's not too many songs. Well, because it was only a one-act show. Yeah, so it's yeah. quite compact and they're all just stunning Um I love chromatic scales. I've mentioned this before, but the movement is like the movement of the music is chromatic, so meaning that the like the notes move in semitones rather than tones or leaps. Like, there's a lot of really cool. That you can feel that um, that Yazbek is influenced by jazz music because there are yes. some really cool like extension chords and just really lovely music, but also definitely is nodding to sort of being set in the Middle East. Yeah. So it's just so beautiful. I just love it. Um, orchestrations are really lovely too. Yeah. I also, did he do his own orchestrations? Oh, I didn't say. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, you check. I do also recommend you watch the film. It's really beautiful. Um, it's just really great. You can watch that on SBS On Demand if you're in Australia. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is cool. There was some oh, – I can't even remember the fact now, but it was something like – it was like excluded from the Academy Awards foreign film um, category because something like more than 50% of the dialogue is in English. Oh. Yeah, which is interesting that I didn't realise that was a thing. But, yeah. yeah, anyway. So some gateway songs. I found it really hard to choose. Shakara, which is what <laughs> I say every week. They're just all beautiful. But here you go. I think you should start with Omar Sharif. Um, the gorgeous Katrina Lank singing and just those beautiful resonant low notes. She has such a lovely low voice. Yeah, it's so interesting as well, her it's voice. It's very interesting. I cannot wait to hear her do Bobby. Because I just can't, I can't even see. I will say that I heard that like when it was in previews, like I think she was struggling quite a bit. I can imagine. Yeah. If you listen to her in this cast recording, you cannot marry that with what with what I know Bobby, of Bobby. Yeah. Like, and knowing that like Rosalie Craig who um, – who was Bobby on the West End has such a legit, almost, she's a, she's a high mezzo like she has such a legit sound. Katrina like doesn't have that sound. Yeah. So so the orchestrator was <clears throat> um, Jamshid Sharifi. Oh yeah, hasn't done anything else on Broadway. Well, isn't that cool? Yeah, and great job. Yeah. Yeah, flipping hell. Um, okay, so yeah, Omar Sharif. Then I think you should listen to Puppy Hears the Ocean. It's a bit more playful than the others. So a lot of the other songs are quite serious. This one's sort of the most playful, I would say. Um, it shows some more of the humour of the piece because it is like a comedy drama. Like there's, yeah. there's just moments of levity like actual life. Um, then definitely finish off with Answer Me. It's oh, stunning. Such a beautiful song. It's so beautiful. It's basically the end of the show and it's yeah. just so fucking beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the band's so visit. what do you then disagree with me about, do you think? I think – I don't think it won all those awards because because it was like a hot topic. I think it genuinely deserved those awards. Right. Like I think I think it um, – I think it was deserving of all of them on its merits without without any consideration to the fact that maybe the Tonys were trying to be PC and, you know, support a Middle Eastern show. But it just, yeah. it don't, I don't think that's true because I think we know that the Tony Awards are generally pack of dicks. Yeah. Um, and this show, is it did deserve it. Like it was, it's really beautiful. I just think that there's this trend with the Tonys where if something seems worthy – Right. Yeah. So the shows that it beat, did you mention the shows that no, it beat? I haven't, no, So it beat um, Frozen, Mean Girls and SpongeBob, right? Yeah. So we are talking. Not a huge competition. N- no, but also like Very incredibly commercial, commercial yeah. right, those shows. Yeah. And the only thing that I would say, to be honest, the only award that I probably would have given to one over the other is I thought that Mean Girls probably deserved best book. Yeah. But the Tina Fey's book of Mean Girls was very good. I remember when we were sitting watching the Tony's, yeah. you – you definitely said that. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree, like, Tina Fey, Tina Fey's book is excellent. Yeah. But then it's not like 
the band's visit is not excellent. No, too. and and it definitely deserved best score. Like yeah. I don't, I don't begrudge and it. it. Definitely and it was and best, best musical. musical. Yeah. Like definitely best musical. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But even like some of the acting awards, I wouldn't have said that. I, again, maybe it's because they were so understated. Yeah. Or whatever. But there there were performances um, that that I saw that year, and some of those shows where I don't think they're as good a musical. Yeah. But that the those individual performances I thought were. Yep. more impressive. I kind hear of thing. that. I definitely hear that. I think the the Tony Awards can sometimes get a little bit on their high horse with like, yeah. well, you can't win a Tony if you're in SpongeBob. Yes, and that's yeah. a bit shit, of yeah. course. Exactly. Like um, that's more. I get that. Yeah. I do get that. But like, I also think it's so weird that we award we award those awards to like you were the best actress in what was otherwise a shit musical. Yeah. When like, well. I don't know. It's not like you can separate a performance from a musical. I find that really odd. Although I will say that, like, I think that more and more what I'm finding as we're doing the podcast is that I can see so many things where we just have a cast recording to listen to where it's like, a, a good score does not make a good musical. No, that's you know? very true. And I and I think about that a lot. The more that we talk talk about these shows, yeah, because but there are Spring shows. Awakening, like, well, yes, well, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't mind that show either when it's done well. But yes, there are definitely shows that we've looked at where it's like, well, like Wedding Singer would be the example t- oh, to yeah, me, definitely. Um, where again, you know, I'd lo- I'd love to see it, but like, it's. It, yeah, by all me, accounts, by all accounts, that's the issue. The book is the issue, yeah. kind of thing, yeah. and therefore, the show is not that great. Yeah, in you know, on yeah. its and uh, even something like Bridges of Madison County, yeah. like a lot of the Jason Robert Brown shows, that seems to be kind of the criticism. Too convoluted, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Where the score is glorious, yeah. and and but that doesn't make a good show. You know, yeah. it doesn't make you want to sit there for two and a half hours. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was thinking about it while you were talking with the band's visit and. My only thing is, like, I think you can really enjoy something. Like, I really enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. But because it is just a slice of life, right, because it is just what happens in this 90 minutes, yeah. um, you don't really need to see it again. Yeah. It's not the sort of show that lends itself to being watched and rewatched. Whereas, no, I agree whereas with that. sort of, I guess, a splashier musical maybe does or or maybe something with a story you want to go on that journey yeah and I know but then I all like I totally agree and then I think well that doesn't negate any of its validity no no I I totally Um, agree but it's it's interesting because I I feel a bit like maybe you're colored by how it did at the Tonys and Mm. that's because I wonder as soon as you saw it whether you know, you because you probably I I imagine you probably thought it would sweep the Tonys. Like I, think I knew you it would win best musical, definitely. Yeah. Like that was it was the clear favorite yeah. for one thing, and I think that it was worthy of that. Yeah. Um. And I I but I was never that wrapped in the show after yeah. I saw it. Like I was always like, yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't sort of yeah that crash hot on it. Like we were saying, a lot of those smaller musicals, you take like you like them or you don't like them, like. Some pe- they're not for everyone. No, that's right. And some people don't like Next to Normal or Fun Home or yeah. the band's visit. Yeah, it's true. It's just not really their cup it's of tea. It's true. And it's also valid to say maybe you go, Not I'm not saying you, but maybe people go to see a show on Broadway to see the splashy, spectacular I musical. I think that that is certainly true of a big part of the audience of on course. Broadway. And, and I, even here I'd say a lot of people yes. watch musicals because they want to be wowed by the magic of, yeah. the, of the stage and the band's visit doesn't have that. And it is definitely more of a play audience in that sense yeah. where it you you I think most audiences who go and see plays are more prepared for something to be a slow burn yeah and it just to you know things to happen in front of them and that it is more about the piece as a whole mm. and all those sorts of yeah. things and again like I'm not again it's like I really enjoyed the show but I just have no I have no desire to see it again because yeah. it's kind of like I've witnessed that now yeah. and I'm and I'm perfectly happy to listen to the cast recording yeah. which I think is the thing that you can listen to again and again definitely it is such an I can't tell you everyone how much of an easy listen this show so is easy. because the music is just so well put together yeah. it's it's really easy to listen to yeah, it's yeah. Nice to listen so to. like definitely listen to it I have to say I think that both of the musicals we talked about today have beautiful Highly scores. 
reasonable. Yeah. I think it's no accident that the New York Times compared it or at least lumped it in with other Sondheim shows yeah. in that I think they obviously recognise that this show is just not for everyone. No. That it's going to be polarising. Yeah. Some people will love it and it's perfect for an adult audience yeah. definitely but not necessarily all of them. It's also interesting that it's polarising in a way that isn't like – so, for example, like Next to Normal, right, which is about like very severe mental illness and yeah. things like that, that's polarising in quite a different way. Yes. This is polarising in the sense that it's just not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, I don't think just, anyone would actively hate it. Oh, I don't think you could. No. But you just wouldn't have strong emotions That's about right. it. That's right. Exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly. I know when I put it on my list, you were like, oh, the band's visit. Yeah. And th- I think that's fair. I think a lot of people would think that about it. would yeah. be like, oh, that musical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for me, it just really hits, it just struck a chord, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, like, yeah, definitely listen to it. Everyone should listen to it. They should. Because again, beautiful score. And he won. Did he win back to – no, he was nominated for back-to-back best score, I think. For Tootsie? Yeah. But oh. I don't, he didn't win for Tootsie, I don't no, think. No, did Tootsie win anything? No, it didn't It didn't do very well on Broadway. No. Yeah. I love that film. Yeah, great film. Great film. Yeah, well, thanks for listening, Jessica everyone. Lang. <laughs> did you just have a flashback? Oh, my God, she's so good. <laughs> I think I love her. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we're, we're not talking about Jessica Lange. Okay. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to My Favourite Musical. Uh, we can follow us on Instagram at My Favourite Musical. Yeah. And various other places. Email yeah. us at myfavoritemusical at gmail.com. Oh yeah, email us. We love getting emails. We do. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you on Thursday for a mixtape. That's right, everyone. On Thursday we do a little bonus episode. It's a mixtape. Uh, we still won't be playing you the songs. I'm sorry, but, you know, stay tuned. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. And uh, otherwise we'll see you next week for some more shows. Yes, we will, Ruth. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) 